0: Welcome to Getting Real Estate
1: with Josh Lenhart, Director's Mortgage,
0: and Casey Sport, John L. Scott. Welcome
1: back. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We are back here on our second episode, our second official, right, outside of our intro. Yeah. And last episode, we talked about the specifics of getting ready to make an offer on a house.
0: Right. So when we are getting ready to submit an offer, we're going to just kind of go through what that looks like. That is your time to negotiate. Obviously, there is a list price on a house and... What writing your offer looks like is going to vary between what type of market you're in. So if we are in a seller's market, (laughs) there's going to be a little less negotiation power on behalf of a buyer. And if we're in a buyer's market, which is, you know, as of today, that's kind of more of what we're in. um, There's a lot more flexibility in regards to negotiation, in regards to price, um, asking for seller concessions, which Josh will touch on here in just a bit, um, you know, inspection. Yeah,
1: because uh, for those who don't know, a, a buyer's market is defined more as a, a market that is advantageous to you as the buyer versus a seller's market where there is maybe a substantial amount of competition that's out there. So the last like couple of years when houses were really high in value and there was 10, 15, 20 offers that were being written on houses... So it's called a seller's market because then they really have their choice. They can go with the highest or best offer. They can go with the most amount of money. They can go with the least amount of contingencies. Whereas a buyer's market, you have a lot less competition and a lot more wiggle room. And like Casey touched on, purchase price, closing costs, things like that. So that not only fluctuates based on uh, the year, but even seasonally.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Oftentimes, I've purchased a lot of my homes, to be honest, in winter because not as many people are looking to mm-hmm. move when it's raining or snowing or, or gross weather outside. Exactly. But that means that with less competition, you can usually get a better deal on a house in exactly. a lot of situations, whereas the summertime is an ideal time to buy, but you might be riding against a lot of other people at the time. Right. So we determine once we work together with like I talk to you about what your pre-approval is and Casey's shopping with you. Then it goes into you find your dream home. Then you go into those negotiations based on what kind of market it is. Can you make uh, a lower offer than what is being listed? Do you need seller concessions to make it work? Meaning it lessens your out-of-pocket cost. So Casey works with you on all of that negotiation, even based on maybe who else is writing or what other offers are coming out on the table.
0: Exactly, and we can talk about, um, you know, there's an inspection contingency period, and in a seller-friendly market, maybe you want to shorten that contingency period, because that will bring strength to your offer, and in a buyer's market, you have a little bit more flexibility um, to kind of go with, like, a standard inspection time, which typically, I believe... going to say, a,
1: what's that normal time frame?
0: In the contract, um, as is, it's 10-day, it's a 10-day inspection period. I typically write in 12 days just to and it's a it's a 10 business day so it's not just 10 days so you, you know you've got a couple of weeks um typically I will write in um 12 business days but again that just I mean it varies offer to offer no offer is the same even for the same family or person no offer is going to be the same every offer is going to be different
1: And that's why we love our jobs. Exactly. It's like putting a puzzle together every time. It's a different scenario. Exactly. Every time. So you find your dream home. Uh, The first step is you chat with Casey about writing that offer, getting things coordinated, um, deciding what you want to offer, how much, if you want to offer less or more, if you want seller or need seller concessions. Once that takes place and you uh, submit that offer, and let's say the seller accepts it. You know that is the very first step towards you then officially becoming like a home buyer of that property. Exactly. So what does that look like on your end, Casey? When you you write up and then submit the uh, offer to the seller, they accept and they get signatures back, correct?
0: Correct. So okay. we will, yeah, we submit that offer. Um, they will. The seller's agent will send back a an accepted signed offer so that that document that we had sent them, their party will sign it. Um, You know, they could just straight accept the offer or they could Mm -hmm. counter offer, which is a whole Mm -hmm. other thing, which means they, you know, like things about your offer, but they want to change something else. So let's just say for easiest purposes, purchase price, say that you offer uh, the house is listed at $450,000 because we're going to talk a buyer's market because we're talking to buyers and we like to be Absolutely. <laughs> positive Absolutely. and optimistic and friendly to buyers. So it's a buyer's market and you wrote $425,000 offer on a $450,000 house. And they like that for the most part, but they actually want $430,000 instead of 425000 And so they write a counter offer what it will look like is they it will look like they reject your offer okay. because they're gonna that's good information they are gonna check that they don't accept but they counter okay and then they will send a separate form that's a counter offer and then you will have a certain amount of time to accept their counter offer and then at that point you would be in in contract is what we say. We say you're in contract. That means the house is pending.
1: Both parties um, agree to the both negotiations. Both parties agree
0: to it. Um, and then, you know, say that they're not countering. They would just sign that they accept your offer. And then all the terms that we wrote in that contract, because your offer is a contract, like we're writing a contract. Um, once they accept that, we're in contract together. Um, at that point, we would be opening escrow. So a lot of times the seller will be the one the seller's agent will contact escrow whoever has a relationship with the escrow agent sometimes it's the buyer's agent sometimes it's the seller's agent but escrow is a a mutual third party and we will have a whole thing on title and escrow we'll have a title and escrow guest to go into that more but that's just the next step after things are um accepted is we are emailing your escrow officer and then we're also emailing your lender copy of that contract and saying, Hey, we have an accepted offer. Here we go. What are the next steps on your side? And that's kind of, you know, my work is getting you to that point and writing up the contract, getting you through negotiations. And then I don't disappear at any point. Um, I'm kind of, I'm doing other things, which we'll go into, but then I'm emailing those docs to Josh and saying, Hey, we're in contract. What do you need? Passing the baton. Sure.
1: Yeah, and so like Casey said, she's working with escrow, that like mutual, uh, neutral third party, and they're the ones that handle all the money. So when you as the buyer and or seller, you're sending money through that instead of you're not passing that money directly back and forth as buyers and sellers, it goes through escrow. They're the people that are setting up the title insurance. And again, we'll go over all of that in more detail in another episode, but they're also the ones that you do the signing out at, at the end of exactly. the process. So, exactly. um, but on my side, I get a copy of the contract. And what that looks like is, so, Um, After all the stuff that we did, that we talked about in the first episode, I already have your paperwork. I already have all of your circumstances set up that essentially what we are doing is utilizing then the contract to get you moving forward with the financing of the process. Okay, you want to borrow, in this example, $425,000. You're going to put, you know, 10% down, $42,500. So then your loan amount is X. I can't do the math. Right off the top of my head. Let's say your down payment is $50,000, so it makes it easier borrowing three seventy five. dollars <laughs> yeah. quick, quick math is quick not math. For, Quick math. So quick math is not I'm for me. I'm a loan me. officer. Don't say that on the podcast. <laughs> no, um,
0: it's just not for me because I'm a real estate agent. That's why I do real estate and not lending.
1: So, you know, you're coming up. It's, you know, your purchase price minus your down payment equals your loan amount. That's how much you're borrowing. And we talk about then calculating sort of what your monthly payment is gonna look like based on what the interest rates are. We probably went over some of that when you got pre-approved, but we're going more into the specifics of what things look like when you get an offer accepted. Um, We're gonna talk about what your total out of pocket cost is gonna look like, based on if you did negotiate closing costs or not, based on what the down payment amount is that you're gonna bring to the table. So at that first stage, my job is really, this is the loan program you're getting into, this is what the initial numbers are gonna look like, and a caveat I always like to add to people is just like when our very initial conversation starts and it's sort of a moving target, even at the beginning of the process, it is a little bit of a moving target. And what I mean by that is interest rates change every single day. Right. We can't lock your interest rate until we get an accepted offer. So what we talked about three or four days ago, and I make sure and communicate this, it may not be the exact same. My job is to let you know what the landscape looks like. hmm Maybe the market is shifting up or down. Maybe we want to hold off and lock your interest rate a little bit later. Maybe we want to do it right away because the interest rates seem to be rising. If I'm doing my job well, I'm communicating that with you early on. Exactly. No surprises. No surprises. (laughs) But so we're talking about not only locking in your interest rate, which that part's easy to calculate, you know, borrowing $375,000 at 6.5% equals over 30 years equals X amount of dollars. So that part we can do for sure. Your property taxes, we get the tax assessed value to know what your value is. But like your homeowner's insurance, for example, you shop for your own homeowner's insurance. We want to make sure you get the cost you want, the coverage you need. And you can shop for anybody you want, but that, when I'm talking to you at first, I don't have that information right up front. Right. So that is something you're shopping for. So the numbers I'm putting together at the very, very start are estimates. Estimates, yep. If you decide you want to hold off on locking your interest rate, the amount of money that you want to use to like buy down the rate or anything like that, Those types of things may adjust your out-of-pocket costs a little bit. So I always tell people, this gives you probably like a 95% idea of what you can expect, but understand that your monthly payment based on your homeowner's insurance and other factors for closing costs when we lock your rate, those can adjust both of those numbers a little bit. So anyway, my job is to kind of guide, educate, and assist you through what those finances look like so nothing is a surprise. Right. But up front, I always like to make sure and let people know that... Those things are figured out as we go through and each stage we will update you and make sure you are clear of what to expect. Exactly. And then the three golden rules I go over when I get a contract are don't quit your job, keep making your payments of your bills on time, and don't open up any new credit or debts. Don't pull your credit.
0: Don't. Buy things. Don't go buy don't go buy a new car as soon as you get in contract. <laughs> and I say those golden rules
1: because those golden rules have bit me in the rear end it more than once. It has happened. When I first started, you know, I had somebody opt in for an early retirement. Mm-hmm. His income <laughs> dropped about seventy <laughs> percent, and he no longer could afford the house. Um, yeah. I've had people who they go to buy a home, and it's like, oh, well, we needed a new bed, and we went to Macy's, and they said if we yeah. opened up a credit card, it'll save us fifty percent. The problem is it's not even that you would or wouldn't qualify. It's that we refresh your credit at the end of the process, Mm -hmm. and if a new debt shows up, the underwriter needs to know exactly what that debt is. But if you just bought a bed three days ago, Macy's corporate office hasn't generated a statement yet. Yeah. So we need you to contact the corporate office, and sometimes they're like, oh, you're not going to cut a copy of that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So that can cause a lot of delays that people don't really realize are problems. Mm -hmm. I had somebody who just decided they wanted to buy a TV for their house. And it was like three days before we were supposed to close, (laughs) and they opened up a new credit card. So those things, it's not that they make it so that it's impossible to buy. It just causes unnecessary delays and more challenges and headache. And my job is to make this as easy as possible. Right. So making sure that's all clear for you.
0: And coming back to a contract is yes, there are, we can extend. So when we write up that contract, there is a specific closing date that we Usually write into to that 45 days. 30 to 45 days. So we write that closing date into the contract and it we can do an extension on that but both parties have to agree to make that change and if you have a seller who maybe had an offer that was like close to yours or whatever it is you have a seller that just decides that they want to be stinky and not budge they're just like you know what no we said you had 30 days to buy this house we're not extending and then they are not you lose your... They're account. not obligated you to... You lose the money that you have invested in that. And one of the things I didn't touch on in talking about writing that offer is we do discuss what's called um, earnest money. Mm-hmm. And we write that into the contract. And what that is, that's not extra money that the seller gets. It's not extra money that you have to come up with on top of your down payment and your closing costs and all of that. It is, I like to say, it's your skin in the game. So it's you saying... I'm going to put down this amount of money. It's typically one between one and three percent of the purchase price. So let's say and it's a
1: portion of your down payment. It's a up portion, front. exactly. It's a good faith showing that you are intending to buy the house, right?
0: Because you could. It says like I'm not going to back out for any random reason, uh, because then you could lose that amount of money, and that could be four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, depending on mm-hmm. what price you're at. It's a good chunk of money, and nobody wants to just th- give somebody money for free. So, And you
1: know. you're protected. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, in this $450,000 purchase example, your earnest money might be four or $5,000. It's not like, you know, you order the inspections, which uh, we'll go into that a little more detail, but let's say something falls through in the first couple of days, you'll get that money right. back. Yeah. It's not like you're worse, you know, you're we're not throwing you up a creek without a paddle, but if you go two or three weeks into the process, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, we need to negotiate or we need to renegotiate the, the when we're going to close, and then the seller won't do it, they keep your earnest money because you didn't hold up your end of the contract, and you're past your contingency periods. Right. So yeah.
0: There's a lot of protections for buyers, but there are also protections for sellers because...
1: They're wasting, they're spending their time and they don't want to waste their time and energy on an offer if somebody doesn't follow through with that. That's where the contract, why it's so important. And again, that goes back to why it's important to have agents and lenders in your corner so that all of these uncertainties don't pop up in the middle or at the end of the process. Exactly. You have somebody that's walking you through and protecting you through that.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, So yeah, so we make sure I go over those kind of golden rules and then the next thing I usually mention to folks is kind of what they can expect for out-of-pocket expense versus, you know, people are always like, when is my money due? You know, you gave me, right. we're bringing $50,000 down for down payment, and then our, let's say it's another $12,000 in closing costs. So there's $62,000 on the table that we need to close with. When does all this money come out? So as Casey mentioned, there's your earnest money. Right. That gets written like in the first day, uh, first you, couple you of days. You have three
0: business days to in the, co- in the contract. That can be changed if for some reason there's an extenuating circumstance or whatever but in writing strong offers you don't want to push that really past the first three business
1: days. So you're writing up that you know one percent or so of the purchase price Mm -hmm. so it's four or five thousand dollars in that first couple of days and then the other usual out of normal out-of-pocket expenses are going to be your inspection and your appraisal. Correct. And to differentiate those real quick is um, the, uh, I tell people the inspection is for your peace of mind. The appraisal is for ours. Exactly. So the inspection, Casey coordinates with you and the appraisal, I coordinate with you. Something to note when I go over costs of the loan in terms of the lending side, since inspections are not legally required then we don't disclose that as a part of cost. But I still like to make sure and communicate with people that that's something that they can expect to come with out of pocket. It's an extra, it can range in price, correct?
0: Correct, yeah. And it really depends on like size of the house and how far out it is. And there's, you know, everything is a variable in this business. But, and that's something I'm always communicating with you is like, make sure you have your money for your inspections. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there is the home inspection, which a lot of people, as Josh was saying, to differentiate between the appraisal and the home inspection. That home inspection is your choice, whether you want to get that done or not. If you're financing a loan, for the most part, there 99% are 99% of, the time. of the time the appraisal is a required thing.
1: Um, so there can be one offs, but I mean, yeah. and then, But inspections are things that are not required. But I would say 99% it's, of the time
0: it's silly to forego your appraisal. You would not want to do,
1: yeah, you wouldn't want to forego your inspection.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: You know, it's like that's just, because they're going through your crawl space in your attic. They're looking at every dent, nook, and cranny. They're there for hours usually. I say right? they
0: are there to nitpick your house. They're there to literally tell you every single thing that is wrong with that house down to this light switch plate is cracked. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, that's like, a dollar fix, but that is what they're there for, is to tell you every single thing. And inspections can be really intimidating. I going to say, they can be daunting because they, they can, can be come really back daunting. and be like, here's a hundred
1: mm-hmm. things wrong with your house. Right. But then Casey's job is to differentiate right. what seven of those are important. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever right. that looks like.
0: And we'll go into, we are going to have inspectors come in yes. and educate you on all of that. So we'll touch more on that. But really for right now, we're talking about like upfront costs and in those inspections. A lot of times they can range between four to six seven hundred dollars ish and then of course if you're buying a rural property that is on its own septic and well then you will have a separate septic and well inspection and there's ways to negotiate seller costs versus buyer costs um and you know sometimes like those things are split um so there, but there is a cost for that as well. That I will again be upfront with you and say, hey, these are your inspection costs that you need to anticipate for this particular property. If it's on a public sewer and public water system, you know you don't have that out of pocket expense in regards to inspection. But yeah, your home inspection, I'd say it typically just to for four yeah. to seven hundred ish.
1: Yeah, so you have your one percent earnest money, your four to seven hundred dollars for your inspection, and appraisals can range as well. You know, they're usually starting about seven ninety five, seven hundred and ninety five, but they can range up if you have more acreage or more property, or outbuildings, or any number of things where the inspector or the appraiser essentially has to just go do a little bit more work to make sure that that report is complete. So those i always tell people to just be mindful those three out of pocket expenses are up front and then all the rest of the money traditionally is due at closing so that's when then we talk about going like at the title company for your final signing when all is said and done you'll get either a wire or a cashier's check or something but so that was but that's what people can expect for their out of pocket initially right and, and then if there's anything that needs to be repaired and negotiated that can come up too
0: right and we've mentioned closing costs Josh and sometimes people are like okay well i have my money for my down payment but then we're like, do you have money for your closing costs? And those closing mm-hmm. costs are <laughs>
1: yes. So that's a great question because uh, you know i I always uh, go and go over with folks that there's sort of two camps of out-of-pocket expense, and it is your down payment, which is a percentage, whatever you're doing. In this example, fifty thousand dollars, and then there's your closing costs, which are really in my in my eyes, they're broken into three categories. There are your one time fees that you're paying everybody essentially to help you with the transaction, and that is your appraisal cost. The title company and their fees, they're doing mm-hmm. lender's title insurance, they're making sure that the property is owned free and clear, that the seller's uncle isn't going to fly in from another state and be like, I have ownership rights to that property. <laughs> right. right. You're making sure that you as the buyer can get into the house and you own it free and clear. So there's like, you know, our company and directors, our charges, the title company's charges, and the appraisal charges. So essentially, again, what you're paying for people to help you with the transaction. Right,
0: your processing fees. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Then the other, the second component of that is what are called your prepaid items, which is your taxes and your insurance. So homes in Oregon, Washington, California, you have property taxes. Right. So normally those are an annual amount. And when you are looking at your monthly payment, traditionally, you have your total property taxes. Let's say it's $4,000 for the year. That number divided by 12. Is a part of your monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Same thing with we talked about your homeowner's insurance coverage. Let's say it's a thousand dollars a year divided by twelve. Is a part of your monthly payment. Well, when you go into buying a home, you're paying your taxes and insurance are always paid a year up front. So you come up with twelve months worth of homeowner's insurance. Actually, like fourteen months because they want a full year plus right. a couple months of <laughs> yeah. reserves. Yes. And your property taxes, it depends on what type of uh, what time of year you buy, because property taxes are a little interesting. The tax year goes from July to July in Oregon. Right. And so what that means is if you're buying in January, you're not necessarily coming up with a full year of taxes. You're coming up with enough taxes to where then the next July, you can pay a full year's worth. Right. So, But I tell people just as an average... You're paying approximately a year's worth of taxes and insurance up front just to give you a ballpark about what you're looking for. Right. So you got your one-time fees, your taxes and your insurance, your prepaid costs, and then the last thing is your buy-down points. Right. So a lot of people don't know when you're looking at writing an offer on a house, it's not just like this is the interest rate that is offered. There's a range of interest rates that you're looking at. Right. And traditionally, the lower the interest rate, the higher the closing costs, mm-hmm. and the higher the interest rate, the lower the closing costs. So we can adjust that based on what you need your monthly out-of-pocket to be versus how much money you have to close on a house. Right. But if you choose to go with a lower interest rate and pay a little bit more in closing costs, that again is a part of your over, so those three things together, the buy-down points, the uh, prepaid items, and then the one-time fees, those are all umbrellaed under closing costs. Right. And those are the items that if you're talking with Casey about, like you're like, let's say I only have enough for my down payment. Right. You can talk to Casey and I would let her know, like, hey, this person needs closing costs negotiated. And that would look like, hey, we can offer four fifty on this house, but the seller has to pay the closing costs or some of the closing costs. And and that can range.
0: Right, right. So say that you have your closing costs are and you have $6,000 of that, so you want to write your offer at, we're going to say $430,000, but you need to ask for $6,000 of seller concession. Mm -hmm. There's a couple ways that you can do that. We can say, okay, we're offering them $20,000 less than what um, the house was listed at so we're going to come in we want to offer 430 but we want to ask for six thousand dollars in closing costs so we're going to write our offer for 436 thousand dollars or if you don't have those closing costs at all we could write the offer for 440 thousand dollars and part of that also depends on like what you're pre-approved for stuff like that so there's
1: what the home is going
0: to appraise for i have
1: a lot of moving targets
0: yeah and i have written multiple offers with like requesting You know, seller concessions is sometimes what it's called or asking for closing costs, whatever. Um, And I've not, I mean, you can run into it being too much and probably, you know, we shouldn't be looking at that house maybe. (laughs) But, But there's, again, so many variables. There's a couple, you know, a couple different ways to do it to either up our price if it's in your budget or if you can't, you know, and the house has been sitting for a while because we're talking buyer's market, then there may be and a little bit negotiate. more negotiation room where you really do offer them 20000 less and ask them to pay 10000 in closing costs. costs. So it really just depends. It's all a conversation when it comes to like the negotiation. And that is why I, you know, that's why you have me on your side, somebody who knows, who's in tune with the market, in tune with, you know, how things are going and knows how to negotiate a strong offer.
1: Precisely. Because I'm, I'm communicating that with Casey too, like, hey, they need their closing costs paid for. Keep that in mind when you're looking at these houses. So then Casey can say, well, is there wiggle room in how much they're writing the offer for versus what the home is actually worth? Maybe it just dropped in price in terms of offering because it was listed for a long time. So maybe there is equity in the house that can be negotiated. So right. there's a lot of stuff that we can do. And it's um, we don't want to obviously get too much into the meat and potatoes of it because everybody's circumstances are different. But so different. it just gives you the idea that basically when you look at a house, there is a lot that we can do exactly. to help you get into a home. Exactly. Whether that's negotiating price for your monthly payment, whether that's negotiating closing costs for your out-of-pocket... We are here to fine-tune that process for you so that when you get that contract, you're happy with what both of those numbers look like. Exactly. And it being a buyer's market right now, I can tell you that probably most of the contracts I've gotten lately are either under asking price or they have seller concessions or yep. both. So mm-hmm. it's very, very common. A lot of people don't know how realistic it is. And fortunately, in today's market right now, it is very possible. Very, very so. much so. Yeah. Like we talked about traditionally, you know, this whole process takes around 30 to 45 days. So we've gotten the contract. We have some of the initial inspections and in the appraisal. I've gathered all of your paperwork and we're moving forward with our underwriting process. So the financing side, essentially, we take all the paperwork we've, got, we've gathered from you. And then when we get the appraisal back, we get all that stuff together and we submit it to an underwriter and say like, all right, when you're buying a home, there's a financial checklist yeah. A through Z. So when you go to get that accepted, or when you get that accepted offer, we give everything to underwriting and say, okay, do we have everything that we need? And the underwriter's job is essentially to say like, okay, we have A through W, we just need X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So that's when we get what's called a conditional approval, where they basically have told us we've gotten most of everything and we just need a couple of remaining items. That's very, very common. So... During that process, traditionally, that's when uh, inspections will happen first, almost always, Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is when you get an appraisal done on a property, you're paying this third party to go out and check the value of the home. The appraiser goes out for much less time than the inspector, but their job is just to make sure that the value, if you're buying a house for $425,000, they just need to know is the house worth $425,000? That's why they're going. Yeah. Yeah. So their uh, job is a little bit different, but they're, you know, again, they're being hired on to do a job. If you go forward with Casey and get an inspection done and there is something wrong with the house. Right. And you need to back out of the transaction like, oh, the foundation is cracked or there's these other problems that we weren't aware of. Well, we don't want to have you have paid for an appraisal,
0: right? You already paid four to seven hundred dollars for that inspection, exactly. And you can try to negotiate or you know negotiate repairs and stuff like that. But again, it's like a, sometimes you just have to terminate that contract because it's a bigger issue
1: than anybody's willing to tackle.
0: Anybody wants to tackle. <laughs> Maybe yes. the
1: seller can't put on a new roof right away. Or I they don't have I had a seller
0: that we found out that the there was a beam in the roof that was snapped. So it was more than just like, oh, we got to put on a new roof. It was a beam in the roof.
1: Structural and integrity of the entire roof. Structural
0: integrity of the entire roof of the house. And the seller was like, yeah, I'm not fixing that. And I was like, my buyers are not fixing that. And so we terminated.
1: Yeah. Moved so on. the And so Casey works to schedule the inspection right away. Usually when you get the contract that is one of the first things then my communication is well let me know because that normally happens I'd say oftentimes within the first week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so for yes. several days and so I just usually communicate, "Hey, let me know when the inspection is like we've gotten the green light, then I will order the appraisal because the appraisal process can take a, you know, 1 to 3 weeks depending mm-hmm. on where you're at. We don't want to cause delays, but again, I don't want to un- I don't want to charge you unnecessarily until we make sure that piece has been taken care of." Right. Again, it's mostly about protecting and making sure we're keeping your best interests in mind. Right. So we have the paperwork back, we have the inspection and it looks good, the appraisal came back and it looks looks good, and we get that final underwriting approval where they basically say like, okay, thumbs up, everything looks great, you are what's called cleared to close. That means we've signed off on everything and we can prepare the documents to get sent over to the title company for your final signing.
0: Right, and at that time we're going to get that email that says clear to close, And either I am going to reach out, either I'm communicating with the escrow officer, who is the person at the title company, um, and I'm going to say, hey, this is when my clients can come in, or, you know, depending if it works better for you, if it's easier, they can contact you directly. But at that time, we are going to schedule your signing appointment, which means that is so exciting. Signing appointments are the best. Signing appointments are the second best because then you go, you sign your documents. Typically sellers will sign docs before buyers. Their stuff is a little bit shorter, quicker process. And then the buyers will sign. And then after that, um, there's a process that escrow will go through, which we can have them. You have to have your loan fund and record it or- with the county. And they'll, you know, our escrow guests will go through all of that. And then that is when... We get the thumbs up. Everything's been fun and recorded and I get to meet you and give you your keys. And that is the
1: best part. That's the best day. That
0: is the best day.
1: You just, I saw the video you just posted of uh, Jocelyn getting her her keys and getting into the house that we just helped is so lovely because it's like being able to help any kind of home buyer whatsoever. It's like, again, it's why we're here. It's why we do what we do is to like spread that joy. So I know that this episode has a lot of. I don't know, like a, it just has a lot of meat to it because there's yes. a lot of specifics about the process. But it just hopefully clarify a little bit about what you can expect when you go and make an offer on a house. Whether it's from negotiating initially, that you don't have to have all of your closing costs covered when you first go in because it depends on what we can do to help you negotiate. And then getting that offer accepted, what your next steps are, when your out-of-pocket costs are, how long that process takes and how what that looks like. And then what those last few steps look like. And there's some minutiae in the middle of all of that, of course. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But this covers the bullet points of what you can expect when you get an offer accepted.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, hopefully this episode was helpful, especially, you know, if you've been through this process, you understand the process. But, you know, if you haven't been through the process, you don't know the process and it can be daunting. And so obviously our job in person is to make that a little less daunting. And hopefully through this episode, that makes it a little less daunting as well. Um, But I'm so excited for our next episode because we're going to have our first guest our first guest episode and then we'll have two guest episodes and there'll be more education from josh josh and i but anyways we will catch you guys in the next one
1: absolutely have a wonderful day